Last week we finished looking at Samson, and we're going to skip over the rest of the book of Judges. I'm going to tell you why we're going to skip over the rest of the book of Judges. There are two other stories, really, that come up in the book of Judges after this. One, of the story, one is the story of Micah, uh, who's a, who gets a Levite to serve him uh, for a new shirt every year and ten talents of silver. And that kind of is the picture of how things are going in the book of Judges. Uh, religion for Micah is just something whereby he has, uh, he buys himself favor with God. And by the end of the book, he's going to lose his Levite and he's going to lose his, uh, his idol because his idol is part of the whole deal. And um, <clears throat> just, just what we see from the time of Samson is, as bad as Samson is, it gets worse. Right? And then we come to the story uh, <clears throat> of the prophet's concubine and how she gets uh, abused and how she gets hacked up and sent all over Israel and um, <clears throat> uh, how the, the Israelites basically, the, the rest of the nation gather together and basically stamp out the, uh, the tribe of Benjamin except for 400 men. And what you've got is you've just got the nation going down and down and down and down. And it's bad. And really what we're seeing in the end of the book of Judges is not how God deals with man, but what happens to man when God's not in the picture. And it's bad. It's always bad. Understand that. It'd be bad in your life if you put God out of the picture. It would be bad in your life. When we put God out of the picture, we are terribly depraved creatures. And because you're saved doesn't mean you can't Continue on in depravity. You can. Right? You have a sin nature that doesn't go away. And so <clears throat> what you've got is you've got dreadful wickedness that continues. Now, the book of Ruth, though, is written in the time of period of the judges. And it's just a beautiful story of how when people give themselves to God, God can work even in the midst of great wickedness. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that, you know, even if we live in a wicked day, it doesn't mean that we can't be godly, and it doesn't mean that God can't bless and do great things in our lives. Uh, we need to understand that, that, <clears throat> that you know, God can do it. But this, this, this is sandwiched in the book of Judges. Somewhere it's sandwiched. Now, after this, we're going to come, <clears throat> after the book of Ruth, we're going to hit Samuel. And Samuel is a prophet judge of a different sort than they've seen before. Samuel is a prophet, a judge who's in touch with God. And because he's in touch with God, he is going to bring heaven down to earth, and he's going to see the nation arrested and pulled up and going in a whole different direction. Really, Samuel is going to be responsible for preserving the nation of Israel because it was going down mighty fast, but Samuel's ministry actually turns it around. He's, he's a very unassuming character in many ways uh, in Scripture, <clears throat> but... Uh, he's one of the he's one of the greats as far as the nation is concerned because he turns the whole thing around. He, he he brings it back to God and preserves it at least for a while. Right? But what we're going to do now is we're going to look at this book, little book of Ruth, and we look at the first chapter tonight. And um, <clears throat> it's just it, it's a it's a beautiful love story, but it's 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 not just a man and woman love story. It's actually a love story between God and mankind in the midst of all the trouble and in the midst of all the trials that are going on, right? <clears throat> okay, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin to look. Father, would you help us tonight as we look to your word? Uh, Lord, help us to be open to receive all that you have for us, Lord. 
Uh, help us to uh, put forth, Lord, what you want put forth and to hold off on that which you don't want put forth. And, oh, Lord, that your people might have hearts to listen and ears to hear. And, oh, Lord, that your blessing might rest upon this room tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Ruth chapter 1. <clears throat> Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, <clears throat> the man's name is Elimelech, uh, his wife is Naomi, and he is, he's going to have two sons, uh, Malon and Chilion. But <clears throat> verse 1 <clears throat> uh, is interesting, because what happens in verse 1 is this man, there's a famine in the land, we don't know how long it's going to last, we don't, you know, Bethlehem's a pretty fertile place, so we don't know how long this famine's going to last, or what's happening here, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> Elimelech gets the idea that, you know what, I will move out while the famine lasts, and I will go somewhere else, and it's going to be literally a fatal decision in his case. He's never coming back, because he's going to die. Right? Now, the <clears throat> Bible doesn't, doesn't always open up everything as much as we'd like it to, but clearly this was an Elimelech plan. This was a plan where he decided, you know what, this is a good idea. I'm going to do it. Now, the Moabites, when it came to the Moabites, the, the, the Israelites were not to have a Moabite amongst their people at all. It was forbidden. So he wasn't supposed to go down to Moab. He wasn't supposed to be involved in that. Now, it was quite near uh, to Bethlehem and probably had the same kind of cultures. The language was probably very, fairly uh, similar. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it was near enough for them to do it. But you know what? This was just a good Elimelech plan, right? Did you ever have a good plan that wasn't a God plan? Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, <clears throat> what you need for your life is a God plan. And it's not a case of, you know, you need to kind of get uh, directions from God every step of the way. What you need to do is you need to live your life in such a way that your life is woven with God so that what God is doing is God is able to lead and guide and direct you in your plans. And when you, when you have that discomfort in your spirit that you don't know what to do, stay until you do know what to do. Stay until God reveals to you what it is that he would have you to do. Don't go off running with your plan. Your plan will almost certainly lead to disaster. Now let's, let's think through <coughs> Elimelech's plan, right? <coughs> so he's there and he's farming his land. There's a famine in the land. Uh, it's not going well. You know, <coughs> it seems to him, you know what? Just across the way in Moab, things are going a whole lot better. I, you know what? <coughs> it, it, it made perfect sense. I mean, he could sit down with Naomi, he could talk her through it, and you know, he could show her all the sense of it. You know, it was a sensible, reasonable plan, right? Um, <clears throat> the only problem with the plan was that it wasn't a God plan. Now, some of the plans that you and I have are sensible, reasonable plans. The only problem is they're not God plans. Now, <clears throat> we've just been talking about standing on the promises. Do you, do you think that <clears throat> Elimelech if you were a godly man, could have stood, stood on some promises and stayed where he was. It trusted God to take care of him. I could, couldn't he? Had, 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 any, had any accounts of this even in his own scripture? Did it go well for um, Abraham when he went down to Egypt? Did it go well for Isaac when he did the same thing? Listen, it's okay for you to move places. It's okay for you to go somewhere else. As long as the Lord is in it. As long as the Lord is opening the door. 
But all too often, the child of God thinks, well, it's my life, I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll live my own life and do my own thing without any reference to what God wants in their life. And they go and do their own thing, and it brings detriment to their lives. You know, it's important for you to know where God wants you. And it's important for you to stay there. It's not your life. You don't have the right to go and take and, and live it your own way and do your own thing. It's important for you to actually know where God wants you and to stay in that place where God wants you. Put down roots in that place. You say, well, it's not really what my plan was. Who cares about your plan? How many plans have you had that, that, that resulted in less than nothing? Here's a man here who's got a plan and it's going to be fatal. Fatal for him and fatal for both his boys. Let's continue on. <clears throat> And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And Naomi is an interesting name. Naomi, Naomi means pleasant, right? Doesn't every man want to marry a woman called pleasant? Right? Isn't that what every man wants? A, a wife called, listen, uh, Elimelech had it. He had a wife called pleasant, right? And um, he was happy with his wife called pleasant. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem. By the way, the, the sons... <coughs> You know, their names mean trouble and strife, right? Malon means sickly, and Chilion means pining or wasting away. So you know what? Things are introduced into their lives rapidly that mean life is not going the way they expected it to. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took the wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now, you know, let's kind of put this in perspective, right? <clears throat> you don't have Enda Kenny with welfare over the pension uh, in this day and age for anyone. What you've got basically is you've got a woman who's dependent upon her man to take care of her and to look after her. And, you know, uh, Elimelech dying was bad, but she had two boys. They would protect her. They would take care of her. They would provide for her. That was the plan. That was the way it worked uh, in the extended family in the Jewish system. system. But, but when her two boys died and she's got two daughters-in-law, she's really got nothing. They are on Poverty Street. Now, not on Poverty Street, you know, where <clears throat> they're kind of poor. Uh, they're on Poverty Street where they have nothing. They have no hopes. They have no future. They're living from meal to meal. They're beggars, effectively. That's where they are. So, so, so they are in dire straits. So, so this woman called Pleasant has gone from the place where she had lands in Bethlehem. She had a husband. She had two boys. They go to Moab. He dies. The boys die. And she's left with nothing. We're going to see she's pretty upset about it. We're going to see she's not happy about it, and we'll, t we'll talk about that. But you know what? Humanly speaking, she has reason not to be happy. She's going to say she went out full and she came back empty. And that's kind of the picture here. She comes back empty. But, but, but remember, there's no in intimation at all that God had sent them out. And they went out because they thought it was a good idea. Don't go with your good ideas. Don't go with your good ideas. Trust the Lord. You know, don't go and take off going somewhere else and doing something else because you had a bright idea. You need to wait on the Lord. You need to look to the Lord, right? <clears throat> because what you need is you need God's hands and God's presence. 
There's a great verse uh, in, in, in 1 Kings uh, when it's talking about Elijah. And it says, Elijah, God sent Elijah to the book Cherith, right? And then God says to him, For I have prepared ravens to feed thee there. You know, Elijah could have gone to the brook Cherith and said, hey, you know what, this is not a, a very comfortable place. I, I know a better place than this. I'll go there. And he could have gone there if he'd like, but you know what, God had prepared the ravens to feed him there. Do you ever think that in your life, that God has prepared to take care of you in a certain place, and when you're not there, you're not going to get the care and the blessing that you want? And listen, we've got to understand that when we deal with the living God, he has plans, and his plans are best. Okay, let's continue on. Then she arose, verse 6, with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Right now, so the the famine has passed now uh, in Israel. The famine has passed in Bethlehem, so she's going to go back to her own land. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went out on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Now remember again, you're, you're, you're looking at a day when a woman was in poverty unless she had a man to look after. It's just, are there any more sons in my, uh, in my womb? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight uh, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? And would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughter, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. <clears throat> All right, now, let's pause there for a moment. Here's what she does with these two girls, these two Moabite girls, these two girls that are her, you know, that have been married to her sons, that in a sense are like her flesh and blood to her, right? She's telling them to go back to their heathen people and marry again. You know what, there's something wrong with that, isn't there? I mean, she may not have had much to offer them, but she had the living God. But Naomi's not thinking about anything like that right now. Naomi's not thinking about God. God doesn't. God. God. The, the only place God has in this picture is God's hand has gone out against me. The Lord, uh, the hand of the Lord has has gone out against me. So she's not considering what's really best for these girls. She she's sending them back to their heathen people to find husbands and um, uh, to, to to live in their heathen in their heathen place, and not thinking of God because here's what she thinks. She thinks the hand of the Lord is against me. Now, is it possible for you and I to feel that the hand of the Lord is against us? It is, isn't it? That is possible for us to feel that. It's possible for things to happen in our lives that make us feel like the hand of the Lord is against us. Now, is it ever true that the hand of the Lord is against me? Well, yes and no. Right? Here's the thing. First of all, I'm his child. If you're born again tonight, you're his child, and he loves you and will always love you. Right? <clears throat> he will always love you. There's, there's, there's no change in that. There's no, there's no time when he doesn't love you. He loves you. That's, listen, 
That's just it. He loves you, right? Okay? But now, here's the other thing. The Bible says this, that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So what happened for uh, Elimelech when he decided to go down to Moab? God resisted him. Now, why was God resisting him? Was God resisting Elimelech because he didn't love him? No. God was resisting Elimelech because Elimelech, you can't go your own way, do your own thing, follow your own plan, and expect blessing. So God was resisting him. God had his hand in his face. Now, Elimelech didn't turn around. I'm sure there were many occasions during that time when Elimelech said to Naomi, and Naomi said to Elimelech, this is not working, Elimelech. We're worse off than we were before. We need to go back. And one of them would say, yeah, yeah, that, that's what we need to do. But, but they never got around to it. They never got around to it until it was way too late. You think that might have been the way it happened? I've seen people do that, haven't you? I've seen people stand against God and stand against what God wanted for them and fight against God until all of a sudden, you know, <clears throat> their lives were ruined. And not because God didn't love them, but because God couldn't bless their self-will and their pride. Now, do you know that God can't bless your self-will and your pride? It's not that he doesn't love you. And if you pers- pursue self-will and pride, what you're going to feel like, you're going to feel like the hand of the Lord is against you. That's going to happen. You'll you end up feeling like God's against me. God is, you know. And the, the amazing thing is, <clears throat> you know, when people feel like the hand of, of the Lord is against them, Naomi's not saying, yeah, well, you know what? I, I really don't think I should have left Israel back then. She's not saying that. No, it's just God's capricious. He's doing his own thing. He's just, you know, doing what he likes. He doesn't like me. And he's, his hand has gone out against me. That's never true. God's not like that. God doesn't do that with you. He doesn't just turn against you for no reason. When God makes your life difficult, either he's teaching you something or he wants you to kind of turn around. You've got to actually, you've got to understand, God does not make your life difficult just for fun. Paganism does that. Pagan peoples are afraid of their gods because their gods make their lives difficult. You, know, you do something on them, you don't make the right sacrifice, you, you get them riled, get them annoyed, you get, you get the attention of God, uh, of whatever God it is, and oh man, he could give you a hard time. He could just make life miserable for you because their gods were mean. God's not like that. The Bible says God is love. Do you think God was love in the Old Testament or did he just kind of get, get to be love in the New Testament? No, that's an eternal quality of God. God is love. He is always love. He always loves. You know, he never stopped. Did, did he love Elimelech? Yeah. But, you say, but, he, but he, listen, he let Elimelech die. Where's the love in that? Well, think about it, right? <clears throat> we'll say you or I were to die tonight going home. Right? <clears throat> we, get, we, get, we get killed in the car. Now, you know, we'd all come together uh, during the week and we'd have a funeral. And uh, we'd be, we'd be, there'd, be, there'd be sorrow. There'd be tears. Right? <clears throat> Now, now do, you, do you think God would go to the funeral crying? No, because if God were to actually look down on the situation, he would say, what are you crying for? He's here with me. You see, when God takes somebody home, to us, it's drastic. It's terrible. It's, oh, the end. Because they're dead. But to God, it's, I've just translated them from one kingdom to another. What's your problem? 
You know, so, so God taking Elimelech home is not that God hates Elimelech, nor Malin, nor Chilean. And what we're going to see in the rest of the story, we won't see it all tonight, but what we're going to see in the, in the rest of the story is that God's got a plan going on here. Naomi says, yeah, the Lord, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Well, she's going to be singing a different tune by chapter 4. She's going to be singing a, a completely different tune. And by the way, <clears throat> there's nothing in the book of Ruth, Ruth that says that, that um, <clears throat> Naomi earned God's favor. Do you know that? Nothing. But Naomi is going to make out like a bandit. She's going to be a happy lady by the end of this, by the end of this book. Because even though she feels like the hand of the Lord has gone out against her, God still loves her. And he's drawing her back into the center of his will to achieve the plan he has. Now, <clears throat> it's cost her. It's going to hurt her. She's definitely had a hard time. But you know what? The hand of the Lord is not against her like she thinks it is. You know what? God's hand is never against you like that. God, you're never in the place with God where God decides to say, you are a waste of space. I just, I'm fed up with you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't respond to us like that. He loves us. Whenever he does something hard in our lives, he does something hard in our lives because he loves us. And he's got a plan going on, right? <clears throat> Verse 14 and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that a dreadful lack of care, Naomi? Do you know that when you're backslidden, you will come through it because God loves you, maybe. Well, God definitely loves you, but you, you will come through it. But you know what? When you're backslidden, you will affect people that don't make it. That's a dreadful thing to think about. You will affect people in your backslidden state that don't make it. Naomi's just sent this poor woman back to her gods. What do you think happened to her? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell, but it wouldn't have been good. She just went back to her gods, right? <clears throat> so, and, and by the way, Arthur wasn't a bad girl. She'd been a good wife. You know, she'd come into a, a new way of living. But Naomi's in a backsidden state. She's going to do fine. But Orpha is not. <clears throat> Verse 16, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Ruth refuses to go. Right? What she says is, I'm going to go with you. And I'm going to make your God, my God. Now, this is one of the most significant statements in all this little book. Right? Your God. She had chosen the God of Israel to be her God. In fact, Boaz, uh, when he meets Ruth, uh, is going to recount this scene, and he's going to say, tell her that uh, she has come to rest under the wings of the God of heaven. Now that's, what, that's what she's choosing here. She's choosing, you know, of all this family, this Moabite girl, Ruth, is the most spiritual. 
the book starts off about being Naomi, and Naomi gets, Naomi gets blessed in it, but Naomi gets blessed because of Ruth. And Ruth has made a choice. She said, I'm going to make your God my God. She has declared herself for God. I don't know that this is the point where she, she got what we would call saved, but this is the point where she commits herself to the God of Israel, where she makes the God of Israel uh, her God. <clears throat> Verse 17, where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The, uh, the Lord do so, and the Lord, by the way, is Jehovah. The Lord do so to me, and more, als, more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking to her. Now, that's wrong, right? Here we have this. A uh, girl who's been told, listen, go home to your own people and, uh, and get yourself a husband and get married and forget about me and just, just get on with your life. I haven't got any more sons for you. Just go on, move on, get on with your life, right? And if she says, no, I'm not doing it. I am going to go with you. I'm, going to, I'm choosing your God to be my God. I'm choosing your people to be my people. And where you die, I will die. And listen, nothing but death is going to part us. Whoa. You know what? Many people travel a whole lifetime and never have somebody declare love for them like that. But she has somebody here who declares love for her like that, and she says when she, when she, when she won't quit, she says, oh, forget this, and she carries on. Now, we're not going to develop it here, but you know, one of the problems for Naomi is Naomi's depressed. She is in the pits. She has gone down, down, down. And you know what? When you're depressed, nothing can bless you. Isn't it true? Now, you know, here's something that was, that was kind of a rope thrown into her pit for her. She says, oh, all right then, follow on. She doesn't grab the rope at all. She doesn't take the rope and move with it. And, and, and what happens is that when we turn our backs on God, when we start blaming God for our problems, and when we let ourselves slip into depression, what happens is, you know, even the blessings in life miss us. Do you know when, you, when you're depressed, one of the most important things you can do is count your blessings? You say, Pastor, when you're depressed, you don't have any blessings. That's the problem. <laughs> when you're depressed, you can't see any blessings. You've got to actually force yourself to look at them. You've got to remember, listen, you know, God's not dead. God's still on the throne. God's, God can take care of you. God will take care of you if you let him. But you've got to look to him and expect him uh, <clears throat> to take care of you. Naomi's blowing it. We'll see that again in a second here, right? Um, Verse 19, So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? Are you back? And everybody's excited in the the city of Bethlehem to see Naomi again. And um, Naomi's first response to them is, Yeah, I'm back. It's so good to see you all. Listen, you know, how are you doing? No, no, look, look at her response to them. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Now the word Mara means bitter. Remember, remember uh, when Moses led the nation of Israel, they came to the waters of Mara. Well, the, the word Mara there means bitter. Don't call me Naomi, which is pleasant, but call me bitter. Right? Um, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I'm bitter and it's God's fault. You ever been there? You ever been in a place where you're bitter and it's God's fault? He did this and he's caused you to be bitter? You, you, you know what she's doing here? 
She's closing herself off from the only one that can help her. Now, we're not, we're not dealing with depression here because that's a, that's a big subject to deal with, right? But let me throw in a couple of things for you. Don't close God out when you're depressed. Don't close God out when, when you're down. Don't, don't try and get by by yourself. God wants to be the light in your darkness. He wants to be the hope in your hopelessness. Don't close God out. That's a foolish thing to do. Naomi is purposefully closing God out of the picture. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt with me very bitterly. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? And you know what happened to the party that came out to meet, meet Naomi? They all went away again, didn't they? Oh man, she's in bad form. She's bitter. You know, nobody wants to be around a bitter person. Have you noticed that? You may have some bitter people in your life that you'll spend time with because it's right. But you don't spend time with bitter people because you want to. Nobody does. Unless you get bitter, you're going to be at odds with them. (laughs) And what happens is, a party is set up to actually greet Naomi coming back and Naomi destroys the party. Because she's better. You, know, you can do that when you get depressed. You can do that when you get down. You can get cynical and sarcastic and, and low and depressed and shut God out of the situation and shut people out of the situation. And you can look at your situation like, this is so unfair. This is so unfair. God has treated me terribly. And you can look at your situation like that. And you know what you do? You shut God out of the situation and you shut everybody else out of the situation too. Now, how are you going to get out of your situation if there's no God and there's nobody out to help you? It's impossible, isn't it? Isn't that what we do, though? Oh, God is so against me. Oh, this and this and this has happened. And, 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 and you don't want to be around people. No, you need to be around people. You actually press yourself and be around people. You know the days <clears throat> when you don't want to come to church, Right? There are days when you don't want to come to church. You need to be honest about it, right? There are times when you wake up and you go, oh no, it's Sunday. I gotta go to church. I gotta face all those people. Oh no. I just wanna I just wanna sit in my bed, I lie in my bed, and just forget about everybody, cover my head with the blankets. You have days like that, don't you? Yeah, listen, you need to shake yourself and go anyway. Because you need it. You need people around you. Listen, <clears throat> you know. Church is not a spectator sport. You know what a spectator sport is? Football is a spectator sport, right? You know, what you have is you have thousands of people who need exercise come and sit and watch a few men who are wrecked uh, flying up and down a field. That's a spectator sport. You're watching them doing it. Church is not like that. When you come to church, you don't come to church to watch somebody else doing it. You come to church to be involved. You come to church to make contact with people. You come to church to get involved in people's lives. And that's what the Bible says. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Keep your finger in Ruth because we've got a verse, another verse to look at there. Hebrews chapter 10. <coughs> Verse 
verse 24. Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, right? So when you come to church, you don't come to church to, to, you know, you know, <clears throat> to get projected upon uh, by the preacher. You come to church uh, for a purpose, uh, <clears throat> to provoke unto love and to good works. You're supposed to provoke each other in church? Now, provoking normally isn't good, is it? You know, we talk about provoking to wrath. That's not good, right? But you're supposed to provoke. You're supposed to exhort and encourage one another. You see, here's what you've got in a church. In a church, obviously you've got a spiritual function with the church of the living God, right? That's, that's the most important. That's why we're here. We're here for spiritual function. But do you realize you also have a social function involved in the church? That, and, and do you know that you're not an island? You, know, you may feel like you're a hermit. You may enjoy your time to yourself. Some people do more than others, right? But, but you're not a hermit. You need other people. You need to be involved in other people's lives. You need to actually show an interest, and you need other people to show an interest in, in your life. And, and by the way, there's a balance there. You, know, you can come to church and you can just <clears throat> be one of these people who's going to minister to everybody. But nobody ever ministers to you. You're fooling yourself, aren't you? Because you need ministering to too, don't you? Yeah, you need the ministry of the word. Yeah, you need the ministry of song. And you also need the ministry of your brothers and sisters. You know, some of you come to church and you think, well, you know what? <clears throat> yeah, nobody listened to me. I'm just. And you got this opinion of yourself that says you, you can't be out. And God says... You come to exhort one another. You're supposed to be exhorting somebody. All right, let me ask you a question. You answered for yourself, right? <clears throat> You've been here in the services, right? You spend here from 10 o'clock, a lot of you, until 12.30. That's two and a half hours, right? Okay. Who did you exhort? Who did you encourage? Okay. Um, who did you let exhort you and encourage you? See, there's a social function as far as the church is concerned. It's not just all this super spiritual stuff, and it's not a spectator sport. It's, what did you do since you came to church? See, we need the ministry of other people. Did you come with your Sunday face on? How are you doing? Fine. <clears throat> right? We're fine. Aren't we all fine? No, we're not telling you. That's what we mean. I'm not very fine, but I'm not telling you what's going on with me. Isn't it very easy for us to come with our Sunday faces? And, and really what it is, is we're, we're keeping the side up. We're making it look good. Now, I don't suppose that you should come in and you should, you know, you should bleed all over the whole church and let everybody know how bad you're feeling. I knew a preacher who used to do that from the pulpit once, and I tell you what, that was a scary day. Uh, <clears throat> you know, when he would actually cut loose and bleed all over everybody because he was having a bad day. I, I don't think you should do that. But you know what? I think you should be honest. I think we need encouragement. You know what? It wouldn't be bad for you to actually say it. it. wouldn't be bad for you to confide in people. And you're going to say, well, no, I don't want to be a burden to them. I don't want to be a... <clears throat> no, you know, you know why we don't? We don't because we want to look good. We convince ourselves that we're these nice people that are lovely and good and strong. And we don't want anybody to see our needs. 
You know, listen, you ought to be willing to be honest when it comes to other people. And then you ought to be willing <clears throat> to listen to other people. You ever ask somebody how you're feeling? Somebody asks you how you're feeling and you said, well, it's been a rough week. And they said, oh, great. Talk to you next week. <laughs> right? You know, you, what happened was you were supposed to say fine. You know, and, and when you didn't say fine, what happened is they didn't know what to do, so they just kind of carried on like you did say fine. You know, that's kind of insincere, isn't it? You know, listen, you know, when somebody trusts you enough to open up to you about how things are going with them, you ought to be real and be there and have an earphone. You see, we're social creatures. We need each other. We can't manage without each other. You know, we need the social interaction. Now, the social interaction in the church is supposed to be fo- focused on the Lord. It's supposed to be focused on exhorting in the Lord. But you know what? There's a reality of people that you've got to kind of take account of before you can actually get around to exhorting them in the Lord sometimes. But we're supposed to take time for each other. We're supposed to exhort each other and encourage each other in the Lord. That's important. That's the life of the body going on. You know, you you don't come to get. See, the old man <clears throat> was out for number one. But the Bible says that him that stole steal no, steal no more, but rather let him labor that he may have to give to him that needeth. The new man is a giver. That new creature is not a taker anymore. He's a giver. And you know what, what you're going to find is you're going to find in the church that there's giving and taking that goes on in your life. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And when you find yourself not wanting to be here because, man, I'm bent out of shape and all those people, they're so mean and God's hand is against me and you know what, I just couldn't face it if somebody was, uh, was nice to me today. I'm just going to stay in bed. You need to get yourself up at the scruff of the neck. Get your clothes on you and get out the door because right? you need it. And you know what you'll find? I find it and you find it too. You, you may drag yourself in the doors of the church, but you may find yourself walking out with a skip in your step. Because God will have done something. Somebody will have said something, somebody, something in the message, something in the, uh, in the singing, something will have connected for you that's lifted you up and helped you. You need to understand that. That's important to us. You know, this, you know the, the, the church is not just this super spiritual outfit where we all come to pretend we're super spiritual. No, there's a social aspect to it, too. That's important. We need it. You need it. I need it. You know, you're never going to get to the place where you're so spiritual that you don't actually need it. And you say, but people bother me. Yeah, you know, you need to be bothered sometimes, too. <clears throat> don't you? Uh, you, need to, you need to get rubbed the wrong way. Because it actually helps you to sort things out. If you could live on your own and do your own thing and just be onto yourself, you, you could work out life just exactly the way you want it, couldn't you? You could set everything up just exactly the way you like it. You could have everything just going your way. Well, you couldn't really, but the illusion is there, isn't it? That you could, you could have it like that. No, you know what? So you need the people that rub you the wrong way too. It's all part of it. You see, here's Naomi. Naomi's sick and tired. She's sick and tired of God. She's sick and tired of people. She's sick and tired of herself. She just wants to crawl around way into a hole and hide. And she has this wonderful daughter-in-law who says, you're not going to get away with it. I'm going with you. 
Wherever you go, I'll go. I'm going to make your people my people. I'm going to make your God my God. And <clears throat> listen, nothing but death's going to part us. And she really what she does for Naomi is she kind of blows her cover. <coughs> you need people in your life like that. You need people who won't just let you hide in your depression. Some people who will actually chase you down and say no. Because <clears throat> what we're going to see as we go through the rest of this book is we're going to see it turns out wonderfully for Ruth and for Naomi. We're going to see that <clears throat> Ruth ends up being better than many sons in the life of Naomi. We need people. We need people who would stick to us sometimes and press us and force us and, you know, <clears throat> and push us a bit. We need people like that. You need people. You need to be that person for somebody. Somebody who will step up, who will believe in somebody, who will follow them down, who won't just let go. Somebody who's going to encourage them. Somebody's going to hear them when they're low. Somebody's going to be there for them. Somebody's going to believe in them. You need to be that person. See, we're social people. You're not going to do it for 10 or 20 or 15 people. All right. <clears throat> But you know what you could do it for one person? And you can only do it by invite. You can't barge your way into somebody's life. There has to be some level of invite involved in it. But you can actually watch out for somebody. And you know, <clears throat> do you ever think about the number of people in our world that, that, that commit suicide? Suicide's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing for two, for, 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 for two reasons. First of all, the hopelessness that has to be in somebody's life before they actually say, I want out of it. Right? And the other side of it is this. I think the devil's always involved. He's the master of breeding that kind of hopelessness in somebody's heart and in somebody's life. <clears throat> now, listen, suicide's a horrible thing, but how many people commit suicide because they don't have a roof in their lives? You see, what happened for Naomi is Naomi's on her way down. And Ruth says she's hanging in there, and Naomi says, Oh, great, just what I need. You hanging on. But yeah, that's exactly what she needs. That's exactly what she needs. She needs uh, Ruth hanging on to her. Ruth won't let her go down as far as she wants to go down. Ruth is going to stay with her, and she's going to work it through with her, and it's all going to change. And you know, third thing about <clears throat> suicide, it's always a permanent solution to a temporary problem. The problem's always temporary. Didn't, have you noticed that in your life? The biggest problems that you've had in your life were all temporary. Now, they looked at the time you had them like they were never going to quit. They looked at the time you had them like this was it, this was over, this was the defining issue of your life. But every problem that you've had comes to pass, doesn't it? You know, so, so, so when it comes to looking at the problem, don't let the, the problems in your life define you. They will pass. They will move. Those issues get overcome and you move on. But sometimes you need some people in your life that are going to stand with you and say, hey, we're here. And it'd be wiser for you if you'd say, yeah, you know, I, want, I need this in my life. I want this in my life. You know, <clears throat> on a certain level, that's what the church is. That's what we are. We are a group of people uh, that come together. Yes, we come together for a spiritual reason. We've got a spiritual focus. But we're a group of people that come together to care for each other. Very different 
Aren't we very different? All different stages in our Christianity, all different stages socially, all different stages economically. We're different. We're so different, it's incredible. But we come together because we need each other. You need me and I need you and uh, you need each other. And (laughs) you can pull yourself out of it. But you won't do well. You know what? I couldn't do it. I couldn't for the life of me do it because I couldn't remember them all. How many people have pulled themselves out of the fellowship? They've come to church, they've gotten saved, and they've pulled themselves out of the fellowship, they've had a better plan, and they have floundered. (coughs) Happens all the time, doesn't it? You know what? You need church. You need each other. Naomi needed Ruth, but she doesn't yet realize it. Right? Verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, with her, uh, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. And now the, that's the hard part of the story. Now the story's going to take off, and it's going to run, and we're going to see her gleaning, and we're going to see her meeting uh, Boaz, and ultimately we're going to see her uh, marrying Boaz, but we'll try and cover all of that last, uh, we'll try and cover, go through all that next week. But uh, understand this, right? <clears throat> out of tonight's message, right? First, don't go until God tells you to go. Don't. You don't know. You don't have a... Secondly, recognize your need for people in your life. And understand that God wants you to be involved in people's lives and he wants people to be involved in your life. You have to let that happen. And if you get those two, two, two messages in your heart, you know what? It greatly helped. Naomi was trying desperately to get to the place where she didn't have anybody around. You're too vulnerable when you don't have anybody around. Let people in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for the story of Naomi and of Ruth. Now, Lord, would you bless us and help us tonight that we might take on board all that you have. Lord, for the one here that's depressed tonight, blessed spirit of the living God, would you help open their eyes uh, to their need for people and help open their eyes to your love for them. And Lord, for the one here who knows of somebody who's depressed, Lord, would you bless and help them to actually reach out and touch that person and help them. And all blessed spirit of the living God, we do ask you, Lord, that you would bless our church with a sweet fellowship and a sweet unity. Lord, may we not be caught up in our own little corners, but may we recognize that you have us here for a purpose, Lord. Uh, You're the ultimate purpose, but Lord, the purpose too is to take care of each other and to meet the needs of each other. And Lord, we thank and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.